Welcome to the Color Auntie Podcast. My name is Grace, joined by my co-host, Kozan. And we are so glad that you're here with us. We're just your northern girls trying to live our best life. We're here to help you through those dreadful morning commutes, or if you're just wanting to hear Quay out of things you may be experiencing, because both Quay and I have been there. We don't really know what we're doing in life, but we're hoping to figure it out with you along the way. <laughs> yeah. So listen, your podcast aunties love ya. Today on our podcast, we have our Cree relative hailing from Missinabi. She is an auntie. She's lived in four provinces and one foreign country. She's the fourth oldest among her cousins. She's the oldest sister. And she's somebody who I used to sneak into her room and spray her really expensive um, $30 <laughs> perfume when I was a teenager. Because <laughs> anything over $10 is expensive. Um, but we have my longtime friend, Chelsea Pareko, who's Korea on the podcast. Hi! Yay! Hey, guys. <laughs> Chelsea, give us a little, like, a little 30-second elevator pitch of who you are. Um, so you, you summed up a lot of the things that make me feel proud. My, my most proudest role is definitely being an auntie. Um, I have one sister, and she has a, a eight-year-old daughter, and she is my favorite human in the entire world. And then I have a bunch of cousins who have little babies, and I love all of them so much. Um, uh, as you said, I'm from Missinabi Cree First Nation. I grew up in Sault Ste. Marie. My nation is land has was landless until 1918. Uh, um, and yeah, that's that's who I am. Okay, so Grace, you know Chelsea as the skincare goat who like taught me everything about like, <laughs> the serum and the toner and like so this is her all of our listeners from the beginning this is her <laughs> um but we have you on here today because as I know you you've made a lot of like moves and decisions to change cities and like um you for me growing up you were always Dakota's big sister who was like always traveling the world so can you tell us about your biggest move and why you did it um, so I've had two really big moves in my life. My The first one is um, last year in April, so exactly a year actually now, I moved to uh, Aotearoa, which also is known as New Zealand. Um, I went there to finish off a course requirement, and um, it was one of the most transformational moves for me because I got to uh, immerse myself in the Modi culture and... Um, learned from some really wicked knowledge keepers. Um, it was, yeah, it was one of the most formidable um, moves of my life. And I learned a lot about who I am and the strength in diversity and the strength in unity of Indigenous people and um, found a second home in in Aotearoa. Um, I have a and question. There... Yeah? How... Like, how did you, like, for anyone who's like, oh, I want to, like, travel and I want to do this. How did you even, like, think of, like, going to New Zealand and make it happen? Like, who did you stay with? And, like, did you know anyone there or did you just kind of go and figure it out? So as a part of my my course requirement, I had to um, make a decision to move somewhere in um that had Indigenous organizations working towards Indigenous sovereignty and um, improvement. And so 
um, one of the main things that I always looked at was um, strength and solidarity in in the Indigenous uh, space within that country. So New Zealand was always just this major force for me because they are so um, strong and powerful and the power of the people that come from there is, is emanates through, you know, watching a 10 second video or through um, just different interactions I've, I had had and listening to um, or reading Linda Smith's book on decolonizing um, research methodologies. I just knew that their power was something that I wanted to celebrate. And so going there was a major decision because it was for school. I had a lot of supports in terms of um, connections that the university had. So I ended up um, going to Auckland um, and working for an organization uh, called Tefano Pereira, And they're actually an urban what's called an iwi so like an urban first nation um and they were interested in having students come and do placements with them so I was hooked up with them and then the ball just kept rolling in terms of so I I reached out to the organization and said hey I'm going to be here for this period of time I need somewhere to live and it all just kind of kept like working really organically and really beautifully and I ended up living with this um this family this mom and her two children and then on the property was also her her mom and dad um and it was just I was just so grateful and so lucky and just you know as a yoga instructor so she like you know helped me kind of get into that and sort of find myself even in in those particular moments like going to her yoga class and then and then having all these wonderful experiences with the iwi that I was with and um yeah so that's sort of how that all organically played out for me Okay, so the second... That's so video, cool. Yeah, it was really... It was actually so, like... It's honestly one of my favorite things I've ever done in my life. Me and Grace are trying to sneakily figure out how we were going to go to New Zealand for our, our work. They have, like, a cross thing with another polytechnic there. And we were... Our, our manager was like, well, if no other students apply and you guys apply, you guys can go. But then this year, like, all the like a hundred applicants applied and like all the spots were filled by students mm. <laughs> so me and Grace couldn't <laughs> finagle our way to New Zealand it's honestly the best place in the whole entire world like if you get the opportunity to go please for the love of everything go mm-hmm. like you'll so I, I want to it's yeah like as indigenous women you'll never go to a place that will like sincerely light your spirit on fire as this place because it's it's crazy and granted like you have to bear in mind when you're there that everything is certainly very different. They're, they're, um, one, they're it, just one language. Like there's different dialects of the language, but it's just one language. It's just the Tikanga that they observe in their marais, which are like their traditional places of like holding ceremony are different in each space. So there's different like rules, Tikanga's rules. So there's different rules and stuff. And, but everything is basically an, relatively the same so the power that you feel from their unity comes from the fact that they are completely unified across like every obviously every community has its differences but the foundational pillars of who they are as peoples is really similar so it's it's just this beautiful thing you can you can actually feel it like when you're at the ceremonies when you go to to participate you can feel it just the connection is but it's so wild like 
where I hear most about New Zealand and Maori people is that they don't quantify like how much percentage of a, of a Maori person you are. And like when you are, you just are in your whole heart. Yeah, blood quantum's not a thing there, which is one of the most beautiful things. So the way that you identify yourself as a Modi person is you say, I have connections to this iwi, to this nation. Um, here, here is how I'm connected. So my grandmother is Alice Sulier. And then um, they say, welcome. And that's that. Like, it's not. Yeah. It- they don't quantify you at all they just if you have the connection to the land it is it is what it is and and here you go that's amazing it's it's so great so in in Quay's intro she said that you lived in four other provinces and then I'm assuming the one foreign country is New Zealand what other provinces have you lived in so I lived it I've lived in um so I live now in Ontario. I was born and raised in Ontario. I moved to Alberta um, in back in 2004. I lived there for uh, four years almost. And, uh, and then I moved to Vancouver. So I lived in BC for um, two years. I was there actually for the 2010 Olympics, which was the wildest thing. And I lived downtown. So like I was a, among like all of the celebrations it was the coolest thing I've ever experienced that's awesome second maybe to to Aotearoa and then um and then I in 2017 moved to Manitoba and lived in Winnipeg for two years so I guess that brings me back to the to the second biggest move um that I've made in my life and it was um so uh just in 2010 I uh, had a partner I'd been with him for four years we met in uh, Jasper Alberta and um, so we moved together to Calgary after Jasper and then after a couple of years in Calgary moved to Vancouver and um, in Vancouver so actually dialing it going back to the beginning in Calgary when we were together I had this weird feeling that like I was making a mistake and he, you know, wasn't my person and I had these red flags, but I had also like my, my, my aunt and, and maybe my biggest um, person that I looked up to and my biggest mentor had always said to me, she's in this very happily, very committed, very wonderful relationship. And she said that every day it was a decision that she it is a decision that she makes um, with her partner to continue to put the work in to be in this relationship. And so that was something that always rung in my ear, rung in my head. So when I thought about, you know, this partnership that I had with this man, I was thinking like, uh, like I need to put the work in and it's just me being like insecure or me being not wanting to be vulnerable or, me being young and naive and just not a good person or you know whatever the case may be it always was about me not being good enough and so I thought no okay I'm going to put the work in I'm going to be I'm going to be committed to this person and he's who I'm going to marry and so then we moved to BC because I I was really unhappy in um, Calgary and he wanted to start school and um we 
so we kept going through and I kept being unhappy and unhappy and unhappy and not improving myself and not, you know, making good choices for me. And so one day I was asking him about coming to my family reunion and can I swear on your podcast? Oh, okay. So he said, um, I mean, right, Grace? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I I think I swear all the time on here. So I'm pretty sure. (laughs) So he, he, I was like, I want to go, I would really like us to go to my family reunion this year. It's been two years since I've seen my family. You've not really met them. Like you've spent one day with my family. Like, can we go back after four years? And he said, Chelsea, I don't give a fuck about my own family. Why would I give a fuck about yours? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. He went. (laughs) I know. Anyway, so, um, so at that moment, I was like, okay, like, it's okay, I think, to, to, to not, to also choose not to fight for someone as well. Um, but I was, I didn't know what to do, because I thought I was going to marry this man, and I thought I was going to be with him forever, and I thought I was going to put the work in, and he just said the thing, the one thing at that very moment that could push me away he said it he he, and he he didn't bat an eye um and so I immediately called my mom and my sister and I said I need I need to come home I need your help I need to figure out a way to get home um to find the strength to do this but I'm done with Eric and it's over and my mom was like are you sure do you know what you're doing did you talk to Eric and um I said yeah I, I know what I'm doing and I said Dakota I need you to fly out here I need your support and so my sister got on a plane 30 days later and came to um, Vancouver I packed up my car and my dog and my little bit of belongings that I had that Mm -hmm. I that I could fit into my car and we drove across the country back to Sault Ste. Marie and that's like the one of the most things that I remember the most about Dakota and like you guys your relationship as a sister like Dakota at any moment like not dropped everything she like hopped onto everything like she was like I remember she told me when oh my I have to go I'm taking a a flight out to Vancouver and I gotta go get my sister where she's coming home and I was like oh you're just going across the country for her (laughs) (laughs) but I remember that you always being like away somewhere cool yeah I I've done a lot of really wicked things and this is like this one particular thing like I just needed Dakota and I've always been so close my sister like we've always been so close and in that moment I was like the weakest I'd ever been and not that I was weak but in the sense where like you know I wasn't able to do it on my own but I was weak in the sense that I had given I had taken a moment to step back and say that I had I had misstepped and didn't listen to who I was and didn't listen to who who I am and didn't listen to those red flags. And I, and I, you know, bought into this notion of like fighting for a relationship and in an unhealthy way. And so I just needed, I was weak because I like, I finally led into that moment and leaned into that, that emotion and leaned into that understanding. And so I needed, I needed the backbone that my sister provides. So mm-hmm. she flew out and it was really an important thing. And it was like one of the craziest times because I had no clue what I was coming back to. I didn't have a job. I had like left a job working for uh, one of the big five banks. Like I had a, I had a good career going. Um, and I had like, you know, I only had a little bit of money saved up. Like I had a few thousand dollars, but like, 
it was everything I was working towards to like buy a home because I thought I was going to live this life of like being a partner and being a mom and owning a home and like doing all these things with this guy and I was preparing for it and meanwhile he he wasn't really obviously so it was a really big move and it was a really hard um hard experience but looking back you know when everybody did that 10 year so it's so 2020 has been 10 years since that big move and looking back at it I I can only say like you know that I'm proud of that girl I'm proud of that girl who made those decisions and I'm proud of you know the relationship that I had with my sister and that she was able to support me and in that moment it was one of the toughest things I've ever done and and that girl would never have imagined to be able to do the things that I've done since yeah that's so awesome um I have a question with like I feel like I have so many women like you in my life like my mom had to start all over again with three kids and like leaving my dad and all this stuff and I know like from seeing it I know how hard it is to leave and start all over again and how did you like what mindset were you in after all of that and like rebounding from it like how did like what did you what were you thinking and like how did you like get from there to now kind of thing I so when I when I left him I I think I was how okay wait I was 25 so I was still pretty young like still pretty bright-eyed but yeah when I left him I'm thinking back to yeah we were like young okay yeah so you would have been 20 yeah so I like looking back on it like when I had made the decision when I left I honestly felt like I, I thought I was like too old now to even to start again and so I had like relinquished to the fact that I felt like I was going to so I felt like you know so I, I was 25 and I felt like basically my I, I thought I had like gone past my years of eligibility and I was going to be alone forever and I was I was I was pretty broken. I forgot who who I was and what I enjoyed and what about me was authentically me and what about me was like I, I had a hard time deciphering between what about me was authentically me and what about me was was what I contrived in this relationship with this man. So um, it took me a really long time and I'm really like one of the most privileged people because I have this really wonderful family who are so in it and so supportive and so kind-hearted and good um so I got really I got really lucky and I was able to you know spend a lot of time with them and I I genuinely like so this is funny I remember the moment where I realized it was all going to be okay and it was um Christmas so I had left him in June of 2010 and at Christmas in 2010 we went up to my traditional territory um, <clears throat> to spend time with my um, my aunt Lori and my uncle Kim and uh, Dana and Nolan, my two cousins, and then Nolan's partner and my sister uh, and my mom. And so we were up north and we were just, you know, spending Christmas together. And my sister and I, my mom had got us skates, ice skates for, um, for Christmas. And so her and I put them on and we'd gone out and shoveled this whole huge oval 
and flooded it and then it turned out to be so awful but we strapped on the skates anyway and we were skating along and then we realized you could just skate on the ice like where the snow wasn't cleared and it looked like my sister was floating because the blade was just um completely buried in the snow but then her like boots were up and I started laughing and I laughed so hard I cried and I bawled like I, I was bawling but from purely from laughter and I looked up and I realized like at that very moment it was gonna be okay I was I, I'm okay and I'm still here and I can still do the things that I wanted to do or you know reevaluate what those things are and like find a way a path forward for me that was done in a good way so it was, you know, being with my family and being on my traditional territory. Oh, I love that. Thanks for sharing that, Chelsea. Um, so, Chelsea, last time, last time we talked, or two episodes ago, we talked about, like, our moon time uh, stories and, like, when that, um, when that started. So do you have, like, a specific story of, like, when you got it or what you told about it growing up and like expecting do you have any stories about that um so it's, yeah your mom's pretty funny so um, <laughs> my, my mom is my mom is a I'm pretty sure I'm gonna write a book about the shit my mom has said to me <laughs> okay, like, so, okay okay sorry I keep playing no, you go. <laughs> okay I know this is a little inappropriate but it's so funny because I always tell this story and I'm so like grateful for and I told it on the podcast about how my mom had told me about like sex and stuff and she was like you might like women you might like men and it's both okay just make sure like um you love them and like sex is an adult activity so like you're 18 it has to be consensual like you both want it whatever she was like really everything you could ever tell someone she was and then (laughs) Chelsea's story is so much funnier because Dakota was telling like how how she got it and like Dakota's her sister who's my age and Chelsea's like what the fuck that's not what I got mom told me um wait how did she say my my mom said Chelsea what's the point of kissing if you're not gonna fuck (laughs) (laughs) so we had completely different stories about that but her mom is so Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it was a it was an interesting, and I was like a teenager at the time, like, and I was still probably I think I was still a virgin, like I'd not even kissed really anybody, like it was just like that was her advice to me. <laughs> okay, so tell us, tell us about like the first time you got your moon time. <laughs> so I don't I don't remember the exact details of the of like experiencing it and um like what like exactly what happened in that very moment but I will tell you like the reaction of my mother and I'll tell you then her like advice that she gave to me and then my my thoughts going forward so first was um she said okay don't wear tampons because they're the devil's work (laughs) (laughs) and she thought it was weird to like stick something up there and so she said don't wear them because they're they're terrible and um and then the second thing that happened was when I told her she like cried and I didn't understand why she was crying. And then she had went and like basically like visited all of her siblings and proceeded to tell all of them 
their seven and she told them all that I had that I started my moon time <laughs> and that she like had to go buy pads for me and she like I don't know why she like went and did that and I was so embarrassed because <laughs> it was never a thing we really talked about it wasn't something that like you know yeah there wasn't a lead up to it other than like don't use tampons because tampons because they're the devil um like that was basically it so I always just you know adhered to like I didn't wear tampons until I was way older actually oh my god okay no me either though me it was really funny me either because I just thought it was a lot of work and then one time they okay this is this is like all because of Bridget one time I was complaining about a period and she's like just try it again stuff a tampon up there and see what happens (laughs) (laughs) and so I'm like well if Bridget says just try it again and just like it's gotta be okay (laughs) it's gotta be Bridget came into my life though like after I was 18 so I was like like an adult too I wasn't so if you don't do tampons right away that's okay that's okay um okay so then like now when I look at and when I understand um moon time to me it actually makes me um, it makes me a little bit, it doesn't necessarily make me a little bit sad, but it kind of makes me sad in the sense that, um, so I now know that there are these beautiful ceremonies, these rites of passages that you, um, you know, that, that are involved with your, with your moon time and that celebration of becoming a woman and, um, you know, what that looks like. And so, you know, I didn't know about a berry fast. I didn't know about these ceremonies that, um, you know, were ripped from our people. And particularly, you know, with mine, because my grandparents went to residential school and then my mom, we didn't live on our land and we didn't, you know, have our nation didn't, uh, it wasn't acknowledged until 1992. So we were pretty infant in our understanding of, you know, being Cree people. And so it actually kind of makes me sad now to think that those, those beautiful ceremonies and those rites of passage were, were removed from, um, from my opportunities because of colonialism. So, you know, looking at it now, I'm going to approach it differently with my niece because, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for her to feel, you know, a sense of change and a sense of pride and a sense of, um, you know, her seasons changing and, and having those conversations. I'm excited to have that um, where, you know, and, and sort of translate that knowledge to her um, where, you know, we didn't get that rights, those rites of passage or we didn't, we didn't know about them because they were stripped from us. Um so yeah, I'm really it's an it's an interesting shift in in this. You know, I always thought, oh gosh, I have my period this I have my moon time this month, like great or like this these days, great, like this sucks. And now I think about it as like, you know, it it shifted a lot of how I feel about my moon time and and uh, you know, the thoughts that about it and and you know, having to take care of yourself during that time and being sacred in that time and you know, all that beautiful jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was kind of in the same position too. Like I didn't grow up learning my culture because of my grandparents. 
and then they became very Catholic. So I actually grew up very Catholic. And with my moon time, um, like I remember it. And my mom, I don't know, she's just not that type to really talk to me about things. So I didn't know a whole lot. And then now that I'm older and I'm able to like know what trust is, like I wish I was able to experience all that. And my shifted too of of um like how it comes each month and it's like we're like when we got it we've really transitioned from like a young girl to a woman and that's something amazing that I think that we get to go through um think the same thing and I've been really like enjoying getting to know you, Chelsea. <laughs> same, same. Yeah. What did I say? Like when we wrapped up the last topic, but this topic too, it's like it's okay to try to learn again or to relearn and to reclaim at any age. The thing, like I, I always think of this like our, and I like I actually like the the path the the path that we take is something that's always going to change and and shift and there's going to be things that come in your way um you know that that are moments where if you turn left it your life ends up this way and if you turn right your life ends up this way and I think as long as you are um comfortable in the spaces that you can be comfortable in and are true to who you are at your core you'll always make the right decisions and and just because it doesn't look like what you thought it would look like a couple of years ago or a couple of minutes ago doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that you were ready for this new experience. Mm-hmm. I like that. Chelsea, thank you so much for taking the time to share all those parts of your life with us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for making me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for the listeners, there was like a big blockout because we all had like, uh, like an emotional revelation. I don't know what had happened, but <laughs> we, we we cried a little. <laughs> um, so thank you to my our your crazy Cree auntie for joining us on the podcast. Yo, and we'll share her, uh, make her skincare routine on. On our story or something next. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See ya. Bye. So, your podcast, Andy's, know that life can be tough. And we want to end our episode with promoting the Hope for Wellness talk line. The Hope for Wellness um, helpline offers immediate help to all Indigenous people across Canada. It is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week to offer counseling and crisis intervention. Life can be tough and we've all been there. So call the toll-free helpline at 1-855-242-3310 or connect online to their chat at hopeforwellness.ca. And remember that your podcast entities love you.